0: Hey, this is Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wheat and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Digitent Network. How's it going, guys? Thanks so much for being with us today. Before we get started in the show notes, uh, become a part of the Greener Grass family. Opt into our newsletter, you'll get all the good stuff. All right, today, this is Kristen Campbell. So, trigger warning for today's episode. It is on the topic of sexual assault and rape. She recounts the sexual assault that she suffered years and years ago um, by a known serial rapist in the neighborhood that she that she was going to school in. So gripping story. um, And if you are sensitive, this is your warning to those topics. All right, my friends, let's get started.
1: So hello greener grass listeners. We have an incredible strong woman today that's here ready to share your story. Um you know when Carrie and I first started greener grass, we kind of were finding our path and our way of who our guests were and what kind of conversations we had on here. And one of the things that I love how greener grass has evolved is really that there are incredible people among us every single day, ordinary people doing extraordinary things or ordinary people that have overcome um, incredible extraordinary things that have happened in their life that really shaped who they are as a person, shaped their journey. And with every conversation and every story that we have here on Greener Grass, there are incredible lessons that I hope all of you take away and learn. And I can tell you, um, this amazing woman, Kristen, um, is joining us today. And I'll tell a little bit just quickly, Kristen, before we go into a little bit about you, that her and I were um, doing the work that I do every single day and having a call And she was very vulnerable in sharing a life story. It was an anniversary of um, a huge tragic thing that happened in her world and in her life. And she shared the story very, she was very vulnerable and shared the story with me. And I even took lessons away from that moment. Um, And we'll get into what lessons I took away from even in that moment of her sharing and just about how I, I live my life every single day. So I hope that you... Um, hear this, you take it in your heart. And Kristen, thank you so much for being opened to sharing your story and um, your path and what happened to you with our Greener Grass listeners. So Kristen, to start off, first of all, I would love for you to just tell everybody a little bit about yourself currently today, like where you are, um just give the listeners a little insight on who Kristen Campbell is.
2: Absolutely. Hi guys. Thank you Kelly for having me on today. Um, it's an honor to be able to share and hopefully impact or help some other women along the way. but I am a 43 old 43 year old busy mama. Um, I am working at a fun, a part-time gig at a hot works where I get to interact and uplift people that are trying to be healthier in their lives. So it's a perfect fit for this season of life. I'm very thankful for that. And um, I'm married almost 15 years to my husband and I'm actually in Georgia, which is far away from home sweet home because Colorado will forever be my home. And um, yeah, on the side, I'm also having fun sharing Uh, hormone-safe products and uh, living a full life. I um, also am currently uh, part of a service league within the community, and so we get to do a lot of fundraising and um, helping out there, so it's just a very busy, full season of life. Kids are in middle school and high school and sports and just all the things. You think you're busy when you're a young mama with balancing babies and bottles and diapers, but hold on to your seat because it only gets busy. <laughs>
1: this is true i love this and uh listeners you probably hear this already but she has this southern um heart and accent to her and she's just the biggest love and she's a hottie just so you know because i know you're <laughs> listening to a podcast you should know she's a hottie you can check uh our social media out out on greener grass and grand rev creatives where our social media lives but kristen and i were having a call and um, in a moment, she mentioned to me that it was the anniversary of a terrible, horrific day that I think I just got goosebumps even saying that part of it um, that happened in her life. And so I would love for you to take us back. Um, I think that when you shared that it was the anniversary of this, you um, you did know there was a serial rapist in the community the community knew about it but kind of take us back to that place in your life it, you were in Colorado in college um and I'll, I'll let you just start to share um your story
2: okay um yeah i was blessed to uh grow up in a small town in Colorado i went kindergarten to 12th grade in the small little community of um the Tri-Lakes area, just north of the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, a tiny little community, and was, I guess, somewhat sheltered, you know. Um, And like everybody had that, well, not everybody, but I did have the dream of going to college, and um, I still wanted to stick close to home, so I just chose to go a couple hours up the road to Fort Collins, Colorado, where I could easily come home on the weekends if I wanted to. And um, it just felt like something exciting and next steps in my life. So I um, was working at a Mexican restaurant and I knew that I I had a roommate ready to go. Um, Her and I, another girl in my small community was also going to be going to school in the same area. So her and I had already decided we would be roommates, but we were in the process of looking for a home, a townhome or an apartment or whatnot. So um, I was actually Uh, waiting tables. And one of my tables, um, I always make conversation with everybody and whatnot, love being a waitress. Those were fun days. And there was a gal that said, Oh, my goodness, you're moving to Fort Collins. Well, ironically, my daughter's going to be graduating and she needs to um, find somebody to take over her lease because she's starting a job right away, this, that or the other. So it was almost too easy. And I was like, great can I get the address? And then, um, my soon to be roommate and parents and I went up and checked out the cute little townhouse. It was perfect. It was adorable. It was affordable. It was close to the, um, university and we were sold immediately. It was too easy. So we moved up there August 1st of, um, 2001. And, um, I was still, we didn't start school until, August 24th. So we had a few weeks to, you know, move in and get settled and check out everything out. And I I had already known that there was a guy within the community. It was on the news that there was a serial um, rapist within the community. So I would have my mom and my grandmother and everybody calling to remind me, you know, you're being safe, right? Yes, I'm being safe. Um, I had even gotten a small job arranged at a curves for women fitness place ahead of time just to have something for a little extra something or other cash and college and all the things. So, um, I remember I would go to my little shift and I wouldn't even go in the back alley to like take the trash. I would take the trash in my car. To me, I was being very safe and, um, there were lots of nights within those couple of weeks before school was going to be starting that my roommate wasn't there. She was either maybe back down in our hometown getting things to still move up our way or I was back down in our community on the weekends finishing up some shifts because I wanted to pocket as much money as I could before we were going to be up in the new college town. So anyway, um, fast forward to the night of the 23rd um, my roommate and I had, you know, gone out to dinner and then got home and we were going to be starting school within the next couple of days. So we kind of had that mindset of just getting everything going. But, um, late that night or early morning of the 23rd, I guess, uh, probably around two or two 30 in the morning, I was sleeping on my stomach and somebody pounced on the back of my back and pushed my head down into my pillow and you know I was sound asleep so I kind of started to make noise and whatnot and he just pushed my head down in the pillow more and proceeded to take my clothes off and tie my hands up behind my back and my feet together and blindfold me And at this point, I was kind of whimpering, and in my mind, I just kind of knew that this was probably the guy that was in town, and I kind of embraced myself that I'm probably going to get raped.
1: Like this is happening. Do you remember? Like, do you do you remember the feelings of that moment?
2: Yes, it was just complete kind of shock.
1: Yeah. So
2: just that real feeling of like this is gonna this is this is happening this is happening um I hadn't quite gotten to the point of like what can I do um because when I started to make noise he pushed my head down further and got close to my face and said to not make a, a noise effing noise or yeah. he kill me so I I really just at the moment was like whatever I can do to be alive but because I had my vision taken and I was relying on my hearing heavily, I could, I was focusing on how I could hear him moving in my room. And I heard something come from my roommate's room. It was a small townhouse, you know, our rooms were right next to each other. And so I could feel that he had left my room. And at that point,
1: were you bound pretty tight. Like, how, how yeah, I was bound pretty
2: tight. You know, my hands were behind my back, and my feet were tied together, and I was still on my stomach. And he had groped my breasts and like opened my b- bottom cheeks. And that's really all he did before he was he heard something come from my roommate's room. So he left. I didn't feel I couldn't feel or hear him around in my room and I heard my roommate kind of make a yelp and at that moment I just had all of the adrenaline power forward and I said I'm going to do whatever the hell I can do to get out of this and I said I'm going to count down from 100 and I'm just going to go for it and I got out of the ties and butt naked I ran as fast as I could to the front door He came running from behind me, yelling like a crazy person again. I thought he was going to stick a knife in my back or tear me down. And Kelly, he didn't. Did
1: you see him Uh, in that moment of him chasing you down? Did you see, did you have a glimpse of him?
2: No, I did not. It was pitch black. I did not see anything. And I was just focused to trying to get to the door. And he went the window to the right of the door that he had come in. And he just left. So God, Holy Spirit, whatever was looking out for me. And I I was in such shock that I just immediately ran right into the bathroom and locked myself in the bathroom. And my poor roommate was banging on the door. Kristen, please let me in. Let me in. And I was like, oh, my God, did you at least grab the phone? I mean, we didn't even have cell phones at the time. It was that long ago. And we just grabbed whatever home phone was there and so you're walked-
1: naked you're basically naked in the bathroom
2: i'm naked in the bathroom i grabbed a towel she had the phone we called 911 it took them at least 45 minutes to come to the house they come to find out they were trying to trace around our town home in hopes to try to find him but at the moment i felt so mad and why wasn't anybody there to help us
1: and um
2: yeah. So, that... did you
1: have in the bathroom? Did you have a moment where you because I mean it's a locked bathroom door, but still, you're you don't know if he's coming back.
2: Exactly. Moment, so you don't I, know
1: if he's coming back. That's where the anxiety
2: started to just ramp up. And my roommate had a brother that lived in the in our college town, so she called him too, and he showed up before the police so he was there
1: which is crazy that it I understand what the police were doing so I'm not like but in the moment of you guys being there waiting for them to come I bet I would have felt pissed too or like just what is going on (laughs) just
2: in hindsight, I just wish that somebody would have came to let us know that we were safe and the rest of them would have patrolled out yeah. and about. Yeah. But, um, and the big picture, looking back, they were just trying to, you know, catch him and I have nothing but the utmost respect and care and love for the police and the detectives of the Fort Collins area. Yeah. They were- because, um, after all of that, uh, I didn't start school. I was too freaked out. I had serious PTSD and, um, we had to go to the police department immediately. My parents came up, you know, they were two hours down the road. Um, but I couldn't
1: say when you went to the police department, was that really just like major questioning? Did you have to because I always think, and listen, this is, I don't know if this is terrible to say, but like you see the law and order specials victims unit or whatever. And it's like, part of that moment is that you've already been violated. This has already happened to you. And then they put you through like physically even checking over you. Did you have to do any of that? Or because you weren't physically raped, you did, you were more just there answering questions.
2: It was more answering questions. Um... And then going back real quick to my roommate, he had woken her up or when he first went to her room, he just grabbed a big chunk of hair out of her hair. And so that's all that ended up happening to her. Um, And then I scared him off. So that was good. But yeah, so just a lot of questioning. And
1: parents, were you the person that called your parents?
2: Yes. Yes, I was, but it was kind of like, I couldn't say anything told because uh, until we spoke to the detectives and stuff, it, it was like, we weren't allowed to, I was just like, I was attacked. I'm okay. Please come. Yeah. And that was that. So, you know, my dad raced 140 miles an hour up the road and yeah, uh, there eventually I was able to finally talk to them.
1: So when you so I love that you the detectives obviously and the police took amazing care of you, made you feel protected and safe, but then you don't feel comfortable to go back to this new life that you were building, school, the townhouse, um no, Kelly too new and
2: that really put a yucky taste in my mouth. So I did not even go back into the house. I my dad and my uncle came and they packed up the house and um I moved back in with my parents. I went back to the Mexican restaurant that I was working at and I just I was I was in not a good place. And then basically A few weeks later, 9-11 happened, and so that was another level of trauma, and I only allowed myself to be around guy friends, and my small community that I felt comfortable with was really the only people other than my immediately family that I was interacting with. I had such a fear. I had such a fear of um, taking a shower (laughs) because I couldn't hear what was going on. I had such a fear of anything out and about in the evening for months and months and months. I could not leave if the sun was going down, so
1: is this something uh, that like did it hit the because you you knew in the community there was a serial rapist. Did this did your attack hit the news in any sort of way? Yes, it was kind it was
2: automatically kind of lumped into that
1: just okay. with um
2: just with having had everything so fresh, there were five before us that summer. So yeah. crazy. We were the sixth case. And we were the only one that had two girls at the same time. And we were the only ones that were not raped or forced to give oral oral whatever.
1: I mean, life changing in the sense that this changes the path of, I mean, you probably weren't even in a space really to figure out like what you wanted your path to be because you were just so traumatized that it was just more about being safe and getting through the day. And when I originally talked to you, I I didn't hear that it was 9-11. I think, you know, those two things happening because we know that 9-11 just emotionally was a lot for a lot of people, but you were already in a space of being broken in some ways. And he, he was not caught. We, we haven't mentioned that, um, but you were moving forward, living life, and he wasn't captured that night. So no. that, that was a major part of probably your everyday fear. And yes, you moved home, but did you did you have the fear that he knew who you were, that he could look you up to try to figure out where you were? Did you have any fear about that? Or did you feel... It was constantly in
2: the back of my mind. And then having the unknown of what he would look like, other than the sketches that were connected with the other cases, hypothetically speaking. And honestly, the sketches looked different. There was nothing accurate to go on. So it was just a constant could it be you? Could it be you? Could it be you? My outside trust of the world was crushed. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, the, the thankful part and the blessing is that you weren't raped, but you had, you still have all of those traumatic things and even being groped and undressed and, and, um, you know, being tied up in that way is horrific. And I can't imagine. So how long, um, did the detectives and police keep you updated on progress, what they were figuring out did you know kind of the timeline of them being out there looking for him
2: um yes it was a constant i mean it was the top of their list as far as trying to capture this person um that had really tore apart the community because just like so many other communities. Nothing like that ever happens here. Yes. Which that is definitely one thing I'm thankful for in the big picture because I grew up in a small town where nothing happened, went to school in a sweet little small town, and now I'm raising my babies in a small town where I will never believe that nothing ever happens in a small town.
1: Well, I felt very much in one of the lessons learned for me that day that we talked and it ironically, I mean, the universe puts things into your space always, I think, you know, at at the right moments, but I am super trusting. I don't always until we talked, like, I don't, I'm not the person that locks every single door always. I don't lock my car. I, um, you know, our, the, our, my daughter's bedroom is the corner room and she likes her blinds opened. And it just happened to be that that week that Jeff was like, I keep going in there and shutting her blinds. I don't want her blinds open at night. She's 13, she's on the corner of the house. um, We're on a corner lot. And he's like, I want want her blinds shut. And when he said that to me, I was just like, oh, okay, okay. You know, like that kind of like whatever. And then after you and I talked, um, I was like, this is a wake up this is a wake up for me in the sense that I just need to be more aware. I need to not blow that off. Like I like windows opened. I like the blinds opened. Like I very much am like that. And a small town girl, like I think that way. And I think that everyone is the best has the best heart like you and I. And so it was, it was ironic that I, that had just happened where Jeff was talking about, the blinds and Emerson's window being on the corner and she's 13. And like, you need to be, you need to make sure she has those windows locked and the shades down. And then you and I had that conversation, just like, it was literally like two days later. And I was like, ah, this is a reminder. Like you're not you. I mean, I don't want to say to people, you're not safe in your own home, but you have to be aware there. There are not all these people out here with good, the good hearts in the world.
2: Right. Absolutely so very true and I'm so glad that you were keeping your girl safe (laughs) but
1: when when did he like how long was it until they tracked him down how did they track him down yes
2: so you know I came right back home and then I started hanging out with a family friend friend of mine a lot and I, he was actually going to be going to school in Fort Collins, and so was his cousin and his brother, and they were all getting a house together. So I made the decision to move back up there because I was going to be damned if somebody was going to get in my path of what I was trying to do. And I tried to, you know, nobody's going to tear me down attitude. So I actually moved back up for the spring semester. That wasn't necessarily the best idea, Kelly, because I was, okay, I was two hours away from that for, you know, all of September, October, November, December. Then I moved back up right in that community. And there was some kind of security being having a little bit of distance there, but then to be plopped right back into that community, talk about the anxiety and the everywhere I turned. Could it be you? Could it be you? Could it be you? you? I went from an open, loving, Person to really have when you have no trust of the outside world, it all just almost makes you kind of hateful. I can't explain it, but it was this anxious, hatefulness going on, which was so far from my heart, and I was mad about that. It was like it was stolen from me, yeah. So, um, anyway, started school, and (laughs) again, the same things. I could only shower during the day because showering at night just took away all my senses and it just brought massive anxiety. And I moved in with um, the good friend and his brother and a cousin, like I needed dudes around me um, that I knew. And so fast forward to April 23rd, when weather was starting to get, good in Colorado again, because, you know, we have winter and snow and whatnot, which there were no other um, episodes that happened between ours and that April 23rd. Apparently, there was a gal that was almost, she was walking home and he had, was following her and didn't get get to her and somehow had called the um, police and they were able to get him then. And the head detective that had kept us in any bit of loop that she possibly could as far as getting victims assistance to us and just updating us with any little thing that we may have had, Kim Cochran, the biggest blessing in my life, called me at 5 a.m. in the morning and said, Kristen, this is Kim. I want you to know that we are 99.9% positive that we have the man in custody that was your attacker. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I said, I need the, I need his address. <laughs> I'm all about knowing as much as that I can know Kelly for any bit of kind of closure and just all the questions that I had stirring in my head for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. So, My good guy friend, when I got off the phone with her, immediately drive me over to where this man had apparently been living and I had been wondering about for days and days and days. And it was a little um, ranch kind of house with a fenced in backyard and two little chairs in the back. It just, I was like, he just goes out here and he's married. And he just watches the sunset in his backyard like nothing. I just, I couldn't believe it. But it was good to have that happen. And then um, then the court stuff started. And um, before that, they... Okay, let's back up. So during our attack, the last one of the six, by me scaring him off, it caused him to... Leave his baseball cap, which in turn had his DNA. Okay. Which they were able to connect his case, our cases in Fort Collins, to several years before rape cases that were never closed in Philadelphia. He was known as the Center City rapist there and he murdered a girl. Oh my so, gosh. Then to find all of that out. In addition to him being caught, there's another level of, holy shit. Somebody touched me who murdered a person with their own hands. It's another level of, thank you, Lord, for sparing. Me. I, it's just another level of gratitude of being, yes. okay?
1: So that- Do you, how did you, I can't even imagine. I mean, I said at the beginning of this strong, and sometimes I think- people don't even realize, you might realize how strong you were, but do you really know? I can't even imagine like the whole court process. There has to be a strength in that. Did you go every single day? Were you still going to school at this time frame? Or were you like, did you not go every day, but you follow along?
2: Good old court stuff. It really started more in the summertime. So there wasn't as much school. It didn't really start like right away. It was kind of spread out. But with every court appearance, my father was there holding my hand. So he would come to it. And um, the first court um, appearance that we all went to, because you're with a room of people and the other are there but you don't know who's who and you're not supposed to talk to anybody because the case is going on luckily I had my roommate that I was able we had that and sisterhood and shared something there but there was a woman in the elevator on the way up to the courtroom that looked at me after the first court hearing I'm sorry afterward and she just grabbed my hand and grabbed it tighter and just looked me with the deepest look of love and care in her heart. Um, and that woman is still one of my very best friends and will always be. And so things like that are the reason why I would never change what happened to me. It has brought growth and strength and friendships that I wouldn't have
1: otherwise. What I I love, I mean, listen if you can find a positive in this, it does shape you as a person and having friendships like that and having people step up and seeing the strength that you can muster up in yourself is incredible. Um, What, what was it like the first time that you saw him? Did you feel a certain way the first time that you saw him in court? Um, yeah, I felt
2: gross. I just kind of felt like I'm breathing the same air as him, and yeah. it. My dad would bless him. He would hold my hand, but he would just like rub his thumb in the same spot. And I kind of wanted to say, "Dad, dog, I love that you're here, but why are you rubbing my my hand raw right there?" But I, keeping from trying to legitimately strangle the man, because yeah. he confessed to me that after. Um, our attack happened. He he drove to Fort Collins, like, looking for this guy. Like, he he wanted to hurt him. Yeah. That's... And it took everything in his power to not go over and snap his neck. He told me this, Kelly. Yeah. So he had another level of strength, too, my sweet daddy.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like that's the love that he has for you, and protecting his baby girl. So then, so then I'm assuming he is put away.
2: Yes. So the, um, the family of the girl Shannon Sheber, who was murdered, still and Vicky, her parents were able to come to the final sentencing, and they really decided that it would be up to them if they wanted to either do the life in prison or the death, whatever. Yeah. And they decided life in life in prison. So my understanding was the first year he was in solitary confinement and was able to leave, like, maybe go outside for an hour a day, but they kept him, like... I guess secure away from everybody else, and I don't. I'm not sure about any recent updates. I know that he's in prison for several lives. So, um, yeah, and that is that. And I think that at least there was finally some peace to the parents who lost their sweet daughter. The yes. You know, closure. To that.
1: Did you feel clo- did you yourself feel closure when he was sent away? Was it was it a, like a little bit of a weight off of your shoulders that you're like now I can move forward with my life?
2: I was like now we can do the work.
1: Yes, the work.
2: So I had already had a really good therapist from um, some other things that had happened in high school back in my hometown so I was able to see her some and then she had recommended a gal in Fort Collins because I was living there again and it would be easier to access that girl and the one in Fort Collins I actually had her take me to the townhouse because I still hadn't been there and again the closure piece I needed to know visually where my bed was and how far I had to run and just like replay it in my head. I don't know why. And there was a young woman with two little babies. So it was like a totally different scene. And I was that closure and I was able to have lots and lots of counseling. And I was able to move in a much healthier space.
1: Well, I feel like, I hope that you know, because I'm sure it's not easy to go back and talk about this. I'm sure it's not, like, it draws all of that up. I mean, I think that that's really the day that you and I talked. You were like, this is the anniversary of me being attacked by a serial rapist. I was, like, blown away. and It was, like, kind of unexpected. You know what I mean? Like, it was just dropped, and I was unexpected. And I think the fact that you are the person that you are. I mean, out of anyone, you have such the sweetest, loving presence, heart. And I hope that you realize, I don't know that everyone could go from a an incident like this, an attack like this and grow and have the warm. And you said like there were, there was a moment where you felt distrust and hatred for everything around you. But the way that you have, worked through that and the place that you have you are as a human it's like you just have the biggest heart ever and so i hope you realize and recognize that in yourself
2: that means a lot i truly feel like i've been blessed to have holy spirit with me and speaking out of me because again once you realize that um a murderer's hands were on you you just have a whole other appreciation to everyday simple life and yeah. more, nothing but better those around you because why on earth would you want to do anything other than that when there's already so much hard in the world yes
1: yes well i hope that you know too that sharing this story i mean i am being honest in saying that i am the person that leaves the door unlocked and leaves this and it kind of blew off that Jeff was saying the blinds need to be down in E's room every night. And I think it just reminds you um, that there aren't, you know, everyone out there. Isn't like you and I, you and I with big hearts and loving and, and doing all the things and that you have to be opened and aware of your surrounding and, and what's going on, not only for ourselves, but our, our children um it's not always the sweet space that we want the world to be in so i hope that you realize that even sharing this um is teaching people and i i do believe that like i even the fact that you had that moment of digging deep and really if you hadn't fought you you guys don't really know what could have happened if you hadn't had that moment of jumping up and running and really scaring him off in that way, this could have had a different ending. And so digging deep in that moment, but also being super aware and present of what your surroundings are and just being safe, even in a small town. And so I hope you realize that sharing the story, um, will teach other people and, you know, I I hate to think that there are other people out there that have had a similar story, but attack or a rape that there is hope and there is light and that there is a place where you can be like a loving mama um, married to an incredible guy with your kids. And I hope people know that as well.
2: Yes, 100 percent. It can be hard work, but do the work and lean into a positive tribe of people and continue to grow and life is beautiful.
1: (laughs) Life is beautiful. Well, I appreciate you so, so much for jumping on and sharing this. Um, I just think that you're the sweetest person. Um, so greener grass listeners, I hope that you took, um, in the story. I hope you learned from it and, um, have a huge heart like this incredible woman, but also be safe out there. So thank you for listening.
0: Wow. Kristen Kelly and I appreciate you so much for being vulnerable and coming on the podcast and speaking with such strength about, you know, the entire ordeal and how it's affected you. Um, Yeah. The first time I, heard this, I was just frozen on the edge of my seat, and uh, I think many of our listeners will feel the same. All right, my friends, if you would please honor us with a five-star rating and review anywhere you get your podcast, It helps so, so much. We appreciate you and love you forever. Also, if you want to check out the Expecting Aerialist podcast, the other one that I do, it's about motherhood, prenatal, postpartum, all the things that come with that, and Digit Podcasts health and wellness, um, group of podcasts, you might find something that resonates with you there as well. All right, my friends over and out. This is, uh, this is Carrie and Kelly. We'll see you guys next time. This is greener grass.